0: Hey, y'all, and welcome to this week's episode of Story Hour. This week, I want to share a personal story of an experience I had, actually a tragedy in my life and in my family that really put me in quite a state of despair. Uh, But this is the story of how I found the light within it and what I learned, what I realized, and the kind of gratefulness that I encountered afterwards. We in life cannot really avoid tragedy but it's really all in how we respond to that tragedy i really dedicate this story to anyone who's ever had a loved one that they lost ever had illness uh severe enough to stop you from daily activities really any kind of tragic circumstance maybe a really bad breakup with someone you thought you were going to be with forever Anything that really challenges our comfortable day-to-day life and suddenly makes us wake up and say, whoa, wow, we can die. We're not invulnerable. Bad things can happen to us. You know, this is the story of one of those experiences that I had um, and how it kind of impacted me. So I wrote this. Um, it's obviously based on a true story of something that occurred to me. It's called The Wound Is Where the Light Enters. So here it goes. At unexpected moments, we are tested by the trials and tribulations of life. At unforgettable moments, our worlds are hurled upside down. At those moments, we know that life as we have known will never be the same. In those moments, we come face to face with a terror too great for the human mind to comprehend. An abyss so vast that it crumbles away at our illusions. An abyss that forces us to peer deeply into that most avoided of places, ourselves. We spend our days with abstract notions of who we are, complacent in the comfort of the mundane. Great sufferings awake us from the sleep. Show us who we are beneath the mask. They challenge our notions. They break us down so completely that little remains. Yet somehow, by some divine miracle, we rise again from the very ashes that we have fallen into. We become transmuted through the furnace of experience, never to be the same again. Waking up from a strange night. I rolled over lazily in my bed on this gloomy September afternoon. I had been awoken by an even stranger phone call. It was a friend of my brother's, and he insisted that I give the phone to my parents. Something just didn't feel right. I had an uneasy feeling in my gut. What happened to my brother? I asked frantically. It was the only thing I could think to ask at that moment. There was no response, only a further insistence that I give the phone to my parents. I obliged and waited for the verdict. Within minutes, my parents rushed over to my room. They were going to the hospital. My brother had gotten into a car accident. Now he was in the emergency room. They asked me if I would join them, which even at that time impressed me as strange. Of course I would go. It was beyond my choice. I was startled, but not yet upset. At that point, I didn't know the severity of the accident. We rode hurriedly to the hospital as I silently looked through the hazy windows, seeing blurs of streaking lights. It was a rainy night with a cool humidity in the air that provided some solace. As we traveled, time seemed to be moving slowly in anticipation. We arrived at the hospital, greeted by my brother's friends. Their misty eyes and look of desperation made it clear that they had been crying, that they had witnessed some great tragedy. This is when the reality of the situation began to creep in. It became clear that something very serious had occurred. We walked together to my brother in a nervous excitement. He was laying on a hospital bed with a bloodied bandage wrapped around his head. His body covered in cuts and bruises. Both of his eyes were closed, bruised from impacts that he sustained on his head. The sight of this struck me so unexpectedly and so severely that my mind went blank. I was stunned, paralyzed by fear and disbelief. How could this be? It was all so incomprehensible to me at that moment. I had just spoken to him on the phone the other day. Yet here he was, hanging on to life, approaching death. There was a tube attached to his head, a contraption that drained fluids building up in his crushed skull. He had suffered a traumatic brain injury. A left turn on a freshly wet road had sent him into an opposing lane, where two oncoming cars struck him. Later, we were sued for minor damages caused to one of the other victims, an older gentleman that had a broken collarbone. Indignant rage filled me when I heard this. How could someone be so inhuman, so uncompassionate and unwilling to forgive a family And their traumatized son on their darkest night. I had always urged him to wear a seatbelt, yet on this day he did not. It impacted us all dearly. I was told that he was found mangled on the passenger side, the impact had been so strong. After hitting the side glass with his head, he seized for an unknown period of time, furthering the damage. I only hoped that he went unconscious on impact, though no one knew for sure. I was led to the waiting room. It was dark in there, so very dark. I sat down and, unable to restrain myself, began to cry tears of bitter confusion and pain. A nurse walked in and, seeing my state, sat down next to me and gently rubbed my back. It was futile. Only my outpour of emotion was providing me any relief in this dark abyss. As I sat there, my life unraveled before my eyes. Somehow, all that that I had valued seemed ridiculous to me. The pettiness of my constructed identity and my long-held beliefs became so blindingly obvious in that moment. Up to that point, my life had been lived as if death was not real, as if it was something that only happened to other people. Now I saw the fragility of life, how one moment laughing and smiling, a person could in the very next be comatose, dangling by a thread. I lost all sense of control. My habitual illusions were dispelled. I knew then how powerless I was. I saw the profound value of life directly, something so precious that nothing could ever equal in insignificance. I saw the emptiness of my striving for money material possessions, and other cultural conditionings that until that point had only been functioning on a subconscious level. These underlying motives came to light and vanished like a mirage realized. Money could not buy life, and if this was to be my brother's death, I could do nothing to stop it. No one could, not even the doctors. They helped to be sure, but they were impotent in the midst of such severe brain damage. All we could do was wait. It was the most helpless I have ever felt. I had been living a fantasy life where I had valued trivialities and forgotten to appreciate the important things. I had somehow thought that my brother would always be around, but I now saw how transient this life is, how short and beautiful it is. So short that we can go through a whole life and miss most of it. So beautiful that if we took even a moment to reflect, we would see. So priceless that no amount of silver or gold can ever buy it back. I was terrified. I begged, I pleaded, for my brother's life. I wished that it had been me instead of him, so that I wouldn't have to see him lying there broken. I realized how much I loved him, and how much his presence meant to me. This was obscured in the past by arguments, fights, and other brotherly pastimes. But underneath this current, he had always been precious to me. The prospect of his possible death had made this clear. What I would have given in that moment to speak to him. How important it seemed at that very moment, when just a day before he was taken for granted. Humans are strange creatures. We are often indifferent to things we hold dear, and only come to realize what's important when it's missing. It's as if we are desensitized to the blessings we have in this life because of their nearness. Because they are so constantly in front of our eyes, they often remain unnoticed. Sometimes the veil is parted, for only an instant, and we see the truth of our lives all at once. How could I not have seen how valuable and precious life was, how it could be taken at any instant with no hesitation? I was told that he had a slim chance of survival, and with that knowledge a part of me died. A large part of my personality was dependent on my brother's presence. Who was I now? We had grown up together, molded each other into the people we became. We had influenced each other all through our lives, always sticking together against the harshness of the world. Now it seemed that this would all be taken away. And I would now be utterly alone. The next three or so days were surreal. I went through processes of remembering and forgetting the accident. I went through the vivid scenes in my mind. Replayed them until they were burned into my soul. I cried profusely for these few days. Any sudden remembrance would launch me back into tears. I withdrew from the world, becoming apathetic to all my previous worries and cares. The image of the bloody bandage kept flashing in my mind tormenting me relentlessly. How fragile he was laying there. How very mortal he was. My mom was emotionally wrecked. I remember one morning hearing hearing what sounded like a hysterical laughter coming from downstairs, but it was not laughter, just the gasping and whimpering of painful tears. The tears of a mother who felt she had lost her son. After the accident was the first time I heard my father crying, and in the many months to come I would hear the second... But yet, even during the darkest hours, there were rays of hope. We held on to this hope as if it could save us, and it did. I remember reading about the accident on a news article, and how cold and indifferent his name was written on that page, as if he was just a name. Another 20-something who got into an accident, yet he was so much more than that to me. It made me wonder how many times I had read about a tragedy, unconcerned and unaware that there were people out there crying for this person, that there were people that cared very deeply. I read and reread the headline, convincing myself that this tragedy had actually happened. Little did I know of what was to come. He was in a coma for two months, and through this period, my life transformed drastically. Something completely inexplicable began happening to me after the accident. I had begun to appreciate life. Somehow, through this period of time, I found reasons to be happy. Not only that, but even blissful at times. A whole world opened up to me. A world of wonder, excitement, and inspiration. This world was intermixed with times of sadness, though in retrospect those times were some of the happiest in my life. How could this be? How could I after such a tragedy find joy in the life I was living? They say that great suffering leads to compassion for the suffering of others, and I found this to be the case. I began to empathize with people around me, and to appreciate all of the people in my life. My heart was opened, and it poured out into the world. I became inspired to learn about this new world that I had gotten a taste of. It was a world of beauty, where the simplest object or event had deep meaning. I became drawn to inquiry into the mind, to inquiry into religious notions, to interest in things mystical that I had never consciously pursued. With the realization of the imminence of death, it seems I had come to a certain peace. It was a wake-up call to begin living. I began to meditate, as if instinctively knowing it would help me most during these times only later realizing there was not only a name but a whole art to what I was practicing. I began to notice the little things and find contentment in my daily life. I visited my brother throughout the time of his coma, speaking into his ears, playing music for him and sitting like a guardian, often in states of emotional upheaval. It was so peculiar that when I was in the room with him, it seemed like I was in in another dimension, as if time ceased to exist and my mind became clear and lucid. They say that a person can hear you when they are in a coma. I found this to be accurate, or at least I wished it so. Yet at times when I spoke particularly emotionally charged words into his ear, the EEG machine monitoring his brain waves would suddenly show spikes and go haywire, making alarms go off as he convulsed. Most other times his brain activity was almost non-existent. He was in a vegetative state. The human brain is a fascinating thing. How it can, after essentially being crushed and scrambled by impact, as my father later described the image of my brother's brain, mend itself back into a working shape. What occurred on the days that followed the accident were nothing short of a miracle. Through his body's constant struggle, and what seemed to me an unseen force, he remained alive. During the many months after the accident, it seemed like a hidden order became manifest in my life, where the events of my life became connected and meaningful. It was a time of profound discovery, all seemingly sparked by that fateful day. During this time, I found guidance in the figure of a great teacher, a man who was jovial and inspired in the pursuit of knowledge. I remember a particularly vivid experience I had after his class one day. Gathering in a circle, a group of students and the teacher included, we spoke about the purpose and significance of life. It was a spontaneous conversation, a back and forth with sparks of curiosity and genuine inquiry all around. Ideas were flowing freely, and the discussion was filled with penetrating questions and insightful theories. As I I was walking out of the room, I felt a strange sensation throughout my body. I felt my feet sink in and be pushed back by the hard floor, as if I was walking on some type of trampoline. The more I noticed this feeling, the more intense it became, and I began feeling a gentle warm tingling throughout my body. It seemed that I was in a different state of perception than usual. It was effortless to walk and my body felt as light as a feather, as if it was no longer affected by gravity. I progressed deeper and deeper into this state as I walked through the hall, until finally I reached outdoors. As I walked down along the sidewalk, my perception had clearly changed. The trees were swaying vividly in still motion, with a glowing yellow halo surrounding their edges, shining brilliantly off of the bright green petals. The scene was hyper-real, as if I was more lucid than I had ever been before. I no longer had the sensation that I was the one walking, but rather felt that I was witnessing walking occurring to me. It felt like my body was moving out of its own will, with me a passenger experiencing the whole spectacle. The whole experience was suffused with a tremendous sense of peace and bliss, and I felt what I would describe as a love towards nothing in particular, but rather expanding outwards towards everything. The world outside of me no longer seemed in any way separate from me. What I was seeing was me. There was no distinction between internal and external, no boundary between body and environment. It was all along a continuum. There were no thoughts occurring, just a pure experience of presence and clarity. It was one of the most beautiful experiences of my life, one that has shown me that there are multiple states of consciousness, and what we call waking reality is just one of them. It has taught me that there is much more to life than many believe, that there are mysteries so deep that humans may never know them. My brother's accident was a catalyst for a process of growth that completely changed me. In time, he woke from his coma and began relearning how to move his limbs, how to speak, and how to do many of the things you and I take for granted. It was a long and hard process, and my brother is very different than he once was. My whole family suffered through this experience, but it made everyone a bit kinder, a bit softer. I realize now that at that pivotal moment, there was a fork in the road. One way led to bitterness and apathy in the midst of an unseeming unfairness of life and the other led to a deeper appreciation of life. Lucky for me, the latter occurred, and to this day, the events still reverberate, reminding me of the sublime beauty of this experience called life. I have found that sometimes through the deepest darkness, we find the brightest light, even though at those moments it rarely seems so. I live now with death following me along, gently reminding me that my time will come. Rather than destroying my peace, this understanding brings me the freedom to strive towards an authentic life, a life beyond fear, one lived in constant gratitude. This is the greatest blessing. It is true that my brother will never be the same again, though I know that neither will I. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed the story and you found some kind of meaning in it. It certainly was very emotional for me to write it. I remember when I wrote it, um, when I was in college, it was for a writing class. Uh, I had a really inspiring writing teacher that was incredibly encouraging. And when he read this, he said, wow, this is really powerful. And I definitely felt it when, even when I was reading it, but especially when I wrote it, I was, the tears were just streaming down um, my face. This was much closer to when the accident with my, with my brother actually happened. So I was still very emotional. Now things have gotten a lot better. Uh, my brother is, is doing incredibly well. He, he can walk on his own. He can take care of himself mostly. And uh, he, he's an awesome dude, and I, I still love him, of course, and I keep contact with him. Uh, kind of difficult because he lives across the country. Um, also my parents, because I'm originally from New York, but I definitely stay in contact. Uh, so the reason I wanted to share this story is possibly as an example of how something really terrible can actually lead to good things. It's, a, actually, it's an interesting point that Many of the religious traditions hold that enlightenment or great insight really come from suffering and from tragedies. Now, I definitely didn't become enlightened or something from this event, but I definitely got really big insights that I think fundamentally changed me from that point onwards. I don't think before that I had ever really had an experience of death. I had really just an abstract notion, but when it actually came, it reminded me that life is very precious and that we don't really know how long we have. We don't know if the last thing we're going to say to our loved ones um, is going to be a mean word, or maybe the last thing that'll happen is an argument, and then we may never see them again. And it's, it's very heartbreaking to think about, but it's very possible, and there's no Rule that says it can't happen. I mean, we always have that feeling that, you know, this bad thing or that other bad thing happens to other people. It doesn't happen to me. But what was really strange about the experience, and I think you guys, if you've ever had a tragedy in your life, uh, will also recognize this, is how sudden it is. Like one day it'll just be everything's going as normal. You're just going about your day, you know, the basic everyday worries. And then the next day it's like, just hits you out of nowhere with sometimes absolutely no warning. And that was a case like this. I just woke up in the morning, got the phone call and that's it. From one moment, it was my brother, you know, me and him would be talking, hanging out to he, he's in a coma for months. So it really just reminds me to appreciate the moments that I do have, especially with the people I interact with because that that's what really seemed to be the most important thing that I learned is that the thing that's really crucial about this life is the interactions that we have with other people, the love we have. I mean, these are truly our experiences. Uh, we can have all the possessions we want in the world, all the things. It's great and it's, it's nice to have those things, but it doesn't give you the kind of fulfillment and depth that just human interaction and love and meaningful activity have. So definitely, uh, a shout out to my family who's always supported me and a reminder to this story was originally posted on holistic which is a new website that I'm working on these days. That's focused on natural mental wellness and how you can find really mental health. Without relying on many of the conventional means So things like herbs Personal stories Different uh, therapies, psychotherapies Dream interpretation um, So if you guys love holistic mental health give it, a, give it a look It's completely free I really do it just to spread my passion And my passion is Helping people in their times of greatest need The unspoken epidemic we can even call it these days of depression and anxiety is rampant it's so common and it's so unspoken of and it's so hard for people to live through it especially when they don't believe that there's anyone else who's having that experience i think it could be really helpful to just have information and you know Find ways that you can pull yourself out of bad states. And there's so many different methodologies too. So that's kind of the main purpose of creating the website. So a little bit about Herbal Hour podcast. I've been meaning to talk a little bit about what my reasoning was for starting the Herbal Hour podcast for some while. And uh, this is that moment on Story Hour. So this is the story of the Herbal Hour podcast. So I had in the back of my mind for quite some time the idea that it would be really awesome for there to be a podcast that's focused on holistic topics, um, and kind of going into the deeper philosophies of healing traditions, herbalism, all those kind of things. I kind of had it in the back of my mind for actually quite some time, maybe a year or two. And finally, when I felt the moment was right, I just kind of said, screw it, I'm gonna go for it. And I studied philosophy when I was in undergrad. So I was always kind of reading books about this or that, about the meaning of life, and kind of trying to understand things. And I, with my good friends, we would always have these crazy conversations late into the night, like four or five in the morning, you know, talking about what's the nature of reality, does spirit exist, you know, what meditation, and all these different topics. Um, And I was always kind of interested in that. So it always was something that I really enjoyed—is just having like a good, deep conversation with someone that's genuine and authentic. So I kind of went for it, and really the point of the podcast. And I thank you guys so much for for listening, tuning in. I hope you get something positive out of it. I certainly have great joy in uh, recording it. I mean, every week I m- meet people that I've never seen before. Uh, in many cases especially lately and it's really amazing how much you can connect over like a shared interest like herbalism uh, shamanism or alchemy uh, and just have a great conversation and be like best friends by the time you leave and before like an hour before I was just a stranger so it's really been incredible and um, the main reason for the podcast is really just to get this information out there Um, and to entertain people too with uh, information that's helpful. So natural medicine and holistic therapies and alternative medicine, all those topics are really big right now, but there's not necessarily that much, you know, accurate information about them. And this isn't to say that everything that comes from this podcast is accurate information, but the goal was always and still is to really bring on experts in different topics within the field of holistic health and have deep conversations, meaningful conversations about the things that really matter and bringing nature back into our lives and more holistic ways of thinking. I really believe in the medicine of the future and there's so many ancient traditions that have so much wisdom for us to bring back into these times and apply them. I was talking today with a podcast guest, Bryn, about how the medicine of the future and the medicine that's coming and the healing practices are gonna be ones where the doctor, healer, physician, herbalist, they teach the person how to heal themselves. They teach them how to be their own doctor, how to be their own physician. I really think that's the next way. I mean, who knows our own bodies better than our, ourselves? And I think um, that healers, they're there to help along the process of bringing somebody to an awareness of their own body and their own health and finding their best life for themselves. Now, I think health is really much more than just not being sick. That's kind of the idea of holistic psyche um, is that there's so many aspects to our minds and that includes our bodily health as well. I mean, if we're eating crappy diets and not exercising, how can we have a positive mentality? In that case, meditation isn't enough. It's just one factor that brings you to a healthy minds. So it's important to realize that we really are very complex creatures. We have many aspects and all our needs really need to be met for us to be at our best. And the goal of health which really comes from a a word that means to be whole is exactly that to be whole again in life and that means that health is actually a positive state it's a state of bliss it's a state of meaning and joy it's not just not being ill it's not just the status quo i think health could be so much more than that health is having the energy to follow your dreams health is having a calm mind in the face of stress and being able to overcome it health is being able to focus in on the moment and enjoy the beauty of life, the richness of conversations with people, with your loved ones. Health is being able to do what you want with your body. Health is many things, many positive things, not just not being ill. And I think that we can do much more uh, in terms of that. And it's a process of always growing. So those are kind of my main reasons why I do what I do. And my journey keeps evolving and i hope your journey continues evolving as well thank you guys for listening tuning in so some updates uh later this week i'm releasing an episode with uh, feral fungi he is a mushroom expert very into mushroom alchemy making spagyrics, uh creating these medicinal products out of the many medicinal mushrooms that exist uh, that episode is going to be released this weekend And then next weekend, I have an episode I recorded with an herbalist who's had 20 years of experience, and we just really geek out about herbs, about the vital force, uh, about herbal energetics. It's a great episode. So see you then. This is Story Hour, bringing you epic episodes every week.